Hey, mates, the Comedy Festival is upon us. It is happening in Melbourne right now. Carl, say I'm someone who's interested in seeing some things at the Comedy Festival. What can I go and check out that I might enjoy? Um, if you're listening to this, you may enjoy a little thing that we do called the Live Little Dum Dum Club on mm-hmm. a Monday in yep. Melbourne. I've oh, heard we, of it. Yes, okay, I'll go on then. 7.15 uh, at the Town Hall, we do an absolutely live hour podcast. We've got three special guests on there, minimum. Yep. Uh, we don't have a maximum What's, at this point. Okay, I'm going to say maximum of like... 10. 10 would be... Ten would be too many. Ten's a lot. Ten's too many. I'm yeah. going to guarantee less than ten. Single-figure okay. de- guests. Between three and ten special yeah. guests every episode, uh, Mondays uh, in the town hall. Uh, you can find our ones from last year at thelittledumdumclub.bandcamp.com uh, and have a listen and see what you'll be in for. We had amazing guests. We've got amazing shows lined up as well. We're also doing our own stand-up comedy shows uh, every night of the festival in the Forum Theatre, 7.15. Uh, you can see my show spread. Then you can have a little break in between, get yourself a little bit of dinner and then follow it up at 9.45 with Carl Chandler has literally 1.5 million jokes. Uh, And also on top of that, heaps of friends of the show. Uh, Go and look at the blackboard. Look at the guide. So many people who've been on the show have shows. Here's a quick suggestion. If you want to watch the whole three, if you want to watch Tommy and my show, in between you can go and see Xavier Michaelidi's show. Mm, Yeah, Uh, in the same venue. Yeah, really wear yourself out. Yep. Really poop yourself. And for people in Sydney, uh, as soon as that finishes, we are coming up to do a quick run of both of our shows in Sydney at the end of April. Yeah, April 25th. Uh, we're doing our own shows for three nights only. We've got a live little dum-dum club on the Saturday, uh, all at the Factory Theatre, and we might be planning something a bit special for after the live show. Uh, we'll keep you updated on that. But, yeah, sydneycomedyfest.com.au for all the tickets to that. Guys, that's enough plugging. Uh, you get the show for free every week. Please come down, spend some money, see some live comedy. Uh, we'd love to see you there and enjoy the festival. See you, mates. <laughs> Hey mates, welcome once again into the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. My name is Tommy Dasselow. Thank you very much for joining us. Sitting next to me, as always, the other half of the program, Carl Chandler. G'day, dickhead. What do you got going on today for um, us? Well, man, this podcast better move me some festival tickets yeah. because, <laughs> oh, no. because I've just realised that I've double booked myself. I'm doing this podcast when I should be in the middle of a photo shoot right now oh. for the Burundara leader. So... <laughs> I That's could be, big business. I could be out on Glen Ferry Road right now with a clown's nose on or <laughs> maybe chattering teeth or whatever those idiot photographers yep. usually get you yep, to do. Yep, a rubber chicken. Yeah, There'll be yeah, a rubber big, chicken. Big pants that are way too big yeah, for yeah. you. Big Just squishy in nude, shoes. In a nude in the middle of uh, Barker's Road, yep, probably. Dick That's hanging out. Funny. Classic yeah. newspaper photo yeah, shoot. Yeah. So what do you mean? You've double booked. You, like, when did you re- – you sound like you've just realised this now. I like, did. there's a camera crew there waiting no, for no, you no, right now. No, no, no. I got now. a phone call on the way in here going, I'm going to be a little bit late. And I'm like, I reckon I can trump you. <laughs> I'm not going to be there yeah, at all. Yeah, exactly. Because you now, because you do have a, a history of great uh, pictorial uh, oh. photo shoots. There was two years ago. You were in the MX with your shirt off, that with was jokes written choice. all over your chest, memento style. Yeah, that was not my um, choice. Wow, this is disappointing. I kind of regret us doing this now because it's to think that we're getting in the way of another classic comedy photo shoot of yours. Well, now that you've mentioned that, that's a big chance of happening again because I'll be running there and just trying to think desperately of something to. To, to use as content and something because they always go oh we need something sexy and it's like well you know what me taking my shirt off isn't isn't yeah, that yeah. I can stand next to someone sexy but I like because I know you know a little bit of how this works is that you pitch a story to a newspaper and you go on oh, we can do this for a photo this will be a great image yep. but I like how the leader of that desperate that they're just going, look, we'll, we'll schedule the time and the place and then you just think of something to do on your way there. I would say only Trump by the desperation of me hitting them up to get in there <laughs> <laughs> in the Burundara leader. Oh, I can't wait to see this. This is a, this is a good sort of thing to talk about in the future, to, to talk about uh, next time yeah. Next time we meet up. But yeah. uh, let's get on to our guests. We've got a, a powerhouse uh, combination of guests today. Is that fair? That's very fair. Is that a word that, a word that gets chucked around too much? or is that- uh, I, th- I think that's the first time... We've ever used it, so mm. I think that's fine. Yeah, yeah. great. Uh, first of all, he's been on the show many times uh, before. He's a comedy legend. Please welcome back into the Little Dum Dum Club, Greg Fleet. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I was, uh, I'm, our other guest was better behaved. I kept chipping in as you were talking before the <laughs> yeah. end. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel bad because we're actually recording this on a stage at uh, Five Boroughs and I, it feels like, and there's a whole audience, like all the chairs are set up. It just yeah. looks like we've somehow we've up. really fucked up the marketing yeah. of this podcast. We've got two really good guests on and no one's turned yeah. up. Yeah, well, sorry the, guys. We should have gotten that photo in the Burundara leader a yeah, bit earlier. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on that photo shoot thing, um, Tommy Little and I turned up. We, Tommy Little and I call each other B. 
And a lot of people say, How can, why do you call him B or why does he call you B? And it's because we turned up, I, I didn't even really know him. It was about two years ago. We turned up for a photo shoot and we, there was about eight people at the photo shoot. I won't say who the others were, but we looked at each other and went, have you got this sort of distinct impression this is a real B-team photo call? Yeah. Because we were the most famous people there and there was like, you know, there was no, you know, Tom or Will or anyone like that. It was kind of like... They've obviously asked a lot Us, of people. We were people. there. Thanks yeah, for that. To be, we honest, were there, to be yeah. honest, that's rubbing it in. We didn't get the B call. So we're off You're on the a, C team. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we were off on a D, D photo show with, with Zig and Zag and uh, <laughs> Pascal Daniels. And, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 that's mean. Poor Zag. I don't know who that is. So I, Poor I Zag. <laughs> Getting lumped in with those guys. <laughs> also joining us on the show today, uh, sitting here very politely, you know him from Get This and from The Late Show, among many, many other things. Please welcome back into the Little Dum Dum Club, Tony Martin. Oh, thank you. Thanks, guys. Guys, I don't have a, a comedy festival show, but just tell me the names of you. What's the name of your show, Carl? My, the name of my show is Carl Chandler has literally 1.5 million jokes. See, that that's a, suggests a concept. Fleety, what have you... Mine is, yet again, just harking on about the same. I think it's called The Boy Who Cried So. Yeah, but see, that's, that's got a, a theme, and, and you've got a show... Mine is called Spread. Spread. See, there's an, is there an idea behind that? Yeah, it's about how my great-grandpa invented Vegemite. See, that, that you've thought this through. A friend of mine, uh, DC Root, is doing his first comedy festival show this year. And I had to explain to him that in the old days, you had to, like, the comedy festival's in April, but you had to book it around about February. <laughs> then it got oh, to January, and then it was December. Yeah. Yeah. I remember in 2000, it was December. Now it's like October. It's October, and the further yeah. it goes back, the more generic the names of the yeah. shows. <coughs> yeah. So it would just be like, you know, somebody, somebody bust and loose. Yeah. And I noticed <laughs> this year, Peter Helley's show is just called What If. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you go, obviously Kevin White's called him up about August. He got what are we putting? I haven't written it yet. Some what ifs. <laughs> I, uh, I've, been, I've been hooked into that before where I've named, got the name of a show. It was one year I did a show called Where Is My Pony? Yeah. And then yes. come around, yes. coming up to the festival, I went, I'm totally, not only do I have nothing relating to the topic. I'm totally over it. Yeah. And it was, the show had nothing to do with it. And a lot of people kept, they kept waiting. You could see this look on this sort of equine expectation on people's faces. Yeah, because not only did you, because you, I remember you called it that, and then in the blurb you mentioned, I want to get a pony, and this show is going to be about me trying to get a pony. So you didn't just do the title, you went the whole hog with it. I don't no, blame you. the whole audience. hog, because not only that, I went to see the show, and you had Harley Breen doing 25 minutes up front. So. <laughs> He's a pony. <laughs> Riding him like a pony. What was underwater world? Was that what? Was that? Uh, no, that actually was the. I, that came from my girlfriend at the time. Said right. to me, uh, it was one year in Edinburgh where I'd done a show that went pretty well, and I was going, oh, what do I want to do next year? And she went, she said, I went, oh look, you could do, a, you could do a show about anything. You could do a show about, you know, being underwater. And I went, all right, I'm going to do that. And. <laughs> You know, and it was kind of, it was actually linked to that. There was a story, like a sort of theatrical bit going through it in three chunks about a guy living in a hotel, an old man, and the world was drowning and the water was up to like the 15th right. floor of the hotel. So it kind of had, and most of the stand-up was aquatically that, themed. That must have been when you could register in February. Yeah, because oh, yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, it was summer. But <laughs> was, I, I always say, I'm pretty sure I was at Fleety's first ever stand-up oh, gig. Oh, really? Wow. In 87, would that yeah, be right? At the... Prince, Prince Pat. Pat. Yeah, yeah. This is how I remember it. Me and Tom Gleisner went down for a night of comedy at the Prince Pat, and I don't think we'd ever been there before. And we got there, and you know there's that Brian McCarthy yep. moosehead yep. memorial? Yep. It was like the Thursday after he had just died. So oh. it was like a wake. And right. the way I remember it, is they went, oh, it's terrible, he's dead, we're all very depressed. Now welcome a young man making his first gig <laughs> performance, Greg Fleet. And you came out with a chair, and your whole gimmick was that you were a sit-down <laughs> comedian. comedian. Yeah, but I do remember, I hope you don't mind me revealing this, no. that a large chunk of the act was reading out bits from the Golden Turkey Awards. <laughs> was it book really? that oh, you'd God. yellowed with a highlight pen. <laughs> What's the Golden Turkey? Is that a joke? It's a book. book. No, it was a book by the guys who did the book called The 50 Worst Films of All it's Time. It's about bad movies. Oh, yeah, 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 Harry right. Midvid. Yeah. It was a great book in his day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was oh. the Harley Breen of its day. Instead yeah, yeah. of getting Harley yeah. Breen to open for you, you just read out of that book. Yeah. Yeah. I, used, I remember I also played a song on the mandolin and on the back of the mandolin I'd written in text a, I am funny and I'd sort of turned it around and <laughs> to the the audience, but no, I'd, I had done probably 
I'd done quite a few gigs before he died, right. so they might have been mucking right. around. But I, I mean, not that many, but probably ten or something. No, but it wasn't a good night. For no. <laughs> gig probably should have been cancelled. In all fairness, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it is comedy festival time, and uh, we're talking about shows and stuff. There's a show in the guy that I'm fascinated by. It's uh, Confessions of an Ex Male Stripper, and yeah. it's all like an anonymous thing where it's like the the poster and the and the photo in the guide is like a sort of you know, silhouetted, kind yeah. of ripped, sort of Adonis kind of body. But the show's on at 6pm. <laughs> yeah, right. That just destroys me because I... You know why? Like, They've moved it so they didn't clash with Foldy Towers. <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. The old dining experience. Yeah. Is this the year? Is this the year Faulty Towers, the dining experience, finally gets the barrier? Yeah, yeah, finally. <laughs> yeah. No, no it's, not, it's not in a hub venue, so it's, it'll never get it. I think, I I think that's what it is. Well, I've seen went... the, the guy who played Manuel walking around going, <laughs> going damn, you Keating the musical. Because <laughs> I, I was just in Adelaide uh, doing the Fringe Festival and in the... Ad- which is the big paper that reviews shows there, the Faulty Towers dining experience got five stars. Oh, and so awesome. everyone was sort of talking about it, going, you know what, if that's getting five stars, who cares? Like, it doesn't matter what they think <laughs> of your show. But then I was talking to another comedian saying that around him, and he goes, hey, man, the same person that reviewed the Faulty Towers dining experience reviewed my show and only gave it three and a half stars, yeah. so get fucked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he didn't have a meal. Do you think it's one of those things where sometimes, you know, you hear stories about reviewers, they're supposed to go and see a show, and then you find out that they haven't gone and seen the show yeah. and they've yeah. just sort of written a, a generic review. Do you think that guy's done that and just stayed home and watched the episode where yeah. Basil's like whacking a car yeah. with, a, with, with, a, with a lean with, cuisine fresh yeah. out of the microwave yeah. and watched a DVD? It's yeah, done, that was pretty good. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. I'm, amazed that, these guys are here. I'm yeah. amazed that the Faulty Towers dining experience is like the only, like, that someone hasn't jumped on and gone. The Terminator 2, the dining experience. <laughs> well, that's the first that's sure, yeah. one that comes to mind, yeah, obviously. That's the, next, that's the logical leap, yeah. yeah. The, the dining experience has improved on the television faulty towers because they've corrected the spelling of the word yeah. faulty. Yeah. That has that been bothering It's been bothering people yeah. for years. Yeah, yeah. Any, spelling, uh, any spelling aficionados, get down. I like the idea of Terminator 2, the dining experience. <laughs> I need your, I need your clothes <laughs> and how many people are in your your party. Yeah. <laughs> Every time you try and eat something, it explodes. Or gets, gets shot out with a comedy noise. Like, I'll, I'll be back with dessert. <laughs> I can remember something Tony did. This, this isn't very linked to what we were talking about, but I remember one Anything stage, to get us off Arnie impressions. Yeah. <laughs> you did this really elaborate comedy thing, and it was like really tragic moments in history put to hilarious sound effects and there was like, like the, the space shuttle challenger exploding and there's oh, when it blew right. up there were two bits that sort of flew off either side and it was a horrible image and you it goes up and it goes when it explodes and the two bits spin off it goes <laughs> You've done all these funny. Well, that, that was because funniest home videos. That's right. It was so long ago that that was a new idea. Yeah. <laughs> so we just got the Rodney King beat that's, that's and right. stuff and put wacky. So was that part of the Late Show? That was on that, the Late we Show. Did yeah. that, for, it, that one was on the Late Show, but the Spatial and all the others, we had shark attacks. A really wild yeah, just live. Footage. That's but funny. It was that La Joke. Would you oh, guys right. be old enough to no, know what no, La Joke no, no, is? No, no. Hey, it might have been in the show with no name. Or was might it earlier? Been. We did a show together called The Show with No Name. That was obviously written in in, uh, February. (laughs) (laughs) It was written after the show, actually. But it it did have, you did have, uh, what was the musical? It opened with, (laughs) this is how old it was, it opened with Cape Fear the musical. Oh, wow. It was quite topical at the time. And that was the original Cape Fear as well. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I um, I just bring up the late show because um, I actually had an experience, I think, two weeks ago where... Um, a, a moment in the late show where there was a, a running gag there for a while where what well, Mick Mick Malloy would like take his pants off and have Bart Simpson underpants on and yeah. run through shows TV well, shows. Well, but it, that was it was an accident the way it happened first because we went to the Maya doorbusters sale right and we had all these like gags we had like a giant battering ram we had everything <laughs> ready to go and this was the one year that. Only thirty people showed up. Right, there was nobody there. <laughs> Just nobody showed up. The so we were like desperate. This was on a Friday, and our show was going to air the next night, and we'd promised this fantastic opening. So we were just literally desperate, walking around Myers going, what can we do? And Ernie and Denise were broadcasting their show live, and we've just mixed, just gone, 
I'll just take my pants off and run <laughs> onto the set and that'll be comedy. Gold. Yeah. And it just, so he had the Bart Simpson jokes, which is what he happened to be wearing. Yeah, yeah. But I always remember about that is Dennis Walter saw us and came over and thought, oh, this could be funny, I'll get involved. And then when he saw the underpants, his fu- he just suddenly realised... It was this look like, has my career <laughs> sunk to this point? And suddenly just wanted nothing to do with it. The underpants were fine, but the Bart Simpson touch was over the, over the top. Yeah. <laughs> right. Well, then we just kept doing it on other shows. And yeah, yeah. Now, I can't remember. What happened was, um, uh, and this was brought up to me the other day, but I remember, it, I think it finished because like five minutes into your show one night, someone decided oh, to do... Person. A real yeah. person got out from the audience and jumped on stage in the front of you and yeah. Mick with his Bart Simpson underwear on. And it was, it was this real weird, awkward moment where it's like, is this, is, is, is this a thing? Is this a real sketch? And then yes. clearly it wasn't. <laughs> and they dragged him off set and sort of nothing more was said I about know, it. And we were like confused because we're going, is this something that the others have... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we didn't know. And we were quite lame in our response. Yeah, right. It, re- it really needed a good... Z- yeah. Billy Crystal at the Oscars <laughs> kind of singer and nobody had anything. Well, There's not many jobs other than comedy where you can go, hang on, is this really funny? Or <laughs> is, this, is this really funny or life? Is this meant to be happening? <laughs> well, I met I met the man that oh, jumped that up in his Bart Simpson underwear. There he comes now. Yeah. <laughs> now what happened is I met him, and not only that, he's a full time comedy writer now. He oh, works really? on TV. I worked with him the other day on, on a TV thing. Oh, and, so and the story came out, and someone else told me that it was him <laughs> responsible. And when I brought it up, he shit his pants because he'd never been telling anyone about it, thinking that somehow the ABC Mafia was still going to get him for <laughs> still it. Still going to get him. Yeah. yeah. The ABC. <laughs> Mafia. But you've been wearing them pants, ain't you? (laughs) (laughs) We we need to wait till he has his own show. Like 20 years from now, and then a really elderly Chris Noboy can come running (laughs) out in his underpants and ruin that show. Well, he said that he, like, the whole idea was that he got dared the night before to do it or whatever, and then the rest of the day he had to track down a pair of Bart Simpson underwear and then like an hour before the show they'd got tickets for the show in the front front row but it was only going to work if he had his Bart Simpson underwear on so he found out that his brother was wearing a pair of Bart Simpson's underwear out of Chadston at the movies so he raced out to Chadston and went into the cubicle and changed underwear with him and then took off to Elstonwick but why is he having to it's a pair of Bart Simpson like you can probably buy them in 7-Eleven well back then back then what in the 90s when the before the Simpsons took off. Like, yeah, when, yeah. when is this time when it was hard to find a piece of Simpsons merchandise? I don't know. I, you know what? I don't even know why he told me this story about changing... Like, he should have told me your story yeah. there. If, yeah. he was, if he was really inspired, he would have just got a whole lot of little tiny Bart Simpson dolls and pinned them to the underwear yeah. he was wearing. Yeah, there's a way out than switching underwear with your brother. But. Or if he'd had a bit of DIY, like he's just wearing white, kind of white fronts, and he's just gotten a, pos- a Sharpie and done it himself. Well, so what happened was he then... Got into uh, he basically wore a big, massive, really, inc- really conspicuous overcoat with Bart Simpson on it. No, yeah. <laughs> so he just had the underwear underneath the, the the overcoat on top, like as if you're two young boys on top of each other sneaking into a yeah. cinema. <laughs> he got into the front row, and then I think Judith Lucy was doing war- would do warm up right. as well as be on the show. And apparently she just saw him in the front row and went, "Here we go!" and just did ten minutes of how stupid <laughs> right. this guy looked, <laughs> and like, "Oh, what are you wearing this for? Are you are you a flasher? Huh? You what are you doing?" Ten minutes, start of the show. Immediately, he takes off the coat and jumps on stage, and Judith goes, "All oh, right." <laughs> but he must have—that must have been like him sitting there going, because it's being directed at him in the warm-up, going, "Should I just do it now? Like, yeah, yeah, or should yeah. I wait? Maybe I'm getting greedy." Yeah. Well, apparently, he was then grabbed off set and then just like marched outside and then had to sit out like a naughty boy outside in the cold outside ABC Studios, beaten up by Ruth Cracknell, and yeah. Tim, Tim Bowden from Backjack. <laughs> I'm still a dentist. <laughs> but, and what's the show he's writing for now? Uh, should I say? Yeah, uh, say it. The, the project. Oh, the project. That's the so work on the project. I should wait so we should run onto the set of the project. Yeah. yeah. Well, what happened was... They, the, they should have, um, when they dragged him outside, they should have, like, had him frozen in carbonite like Han Solo and then just have him hanging above, like, in the ABC studios during yeah, all the yeah. shows as, like, an example. Yeah, yeah, so you yeah. just see Spicks and Specs behind Adam Hills. It's just a guy just frozen there in suspended animation. Well, um, what happened was the next day, so I was working there for the week, the next day he told me that story. I'm like, oh, my God, that's amazing. This is so funny. And he was like... Yeah, yeah, I've never told anyone that for like 10 years, 15 years or whatever. The next day, Mick Malloy was working on Before the Game and walked through the studio and I didn't realise, but I just saw the guy who was telling me the story look at me and go, 
and shit his pants. And I went, what? And I looked up, it's Mick Malloy there. And I'm like, oh, oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, this is great. But then I saw Mick Malloy on the weekend and I said to him, I told the same story. And he said, where is he? Where is he? I'll get him right now. I'm like, no, no, he's actually, he's actually not here. And he's like, oh, okay, whatever. And then walked away. And then I realized, oh, no, you're really drunk. And if I retold this story back to you now, you wouldn't remember. So. <laughs> this is uh, You're lucky that story is actually interesting because otherwise just a lot of name dropping. Yeah, just hanging yeah, out with yeah, Bill Malloy yeah, yeah, yeah. while I was doing some work well, on the project yeah. and this little thing came hanging up. Hanging out with a guy in Bart Simpson underwear. <laughs> Clang. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, we're talking TV stuff. Uh, Fleety, you've got an exciting uh, role coming up on the next series of Underbelly. Yes, I do indeed. I play, <laughs> I play a, uh, a very violent kind of multiple murderer and prison rapist. I, um, I actually rape a prison. <laughs> uh, uh, force a building to have sex with me against its will. That's um, the squizzy tailor. Yeah. Now, is that because someone at nine's gone, look... This he won't sue. There's not going to be. It's not going to be like pixelated yeah. like there was with Tony Rockbell. Uh, just keep going back in time. Yeah, until yeah, yeah. That like, was amazing. That first series of Underbelly where they could like to get it on DVD. Like you had to drive to like oh, across yeah. the state line because yeah. yeah. they couldn't. And I remember a friend having it on DVD and just looking at it was like blowing my mind like where did you yeah. get that it's like back in the day where you used to you used to have VHS uh, like comedy videos that were banned in Queensland yeah. do, you remember, do you remember that do you remember that Tony yeah well, what was the is I, it because of swearing what, yeah. I think like yeah. when Joe Bjocky Peterson ran things everything was like pretty bad up there and you couldn't do anything and I think but didn't Rodney Rude get in trouble with the police up there and stuff? why you looked of, you looked to me like because you, you're you the like, authority you will know but you like Rodney Rude that's why that's yeah why I like I, no I'm like I'm you don't know fascinated whole, by the idea of Rodney Rude you don't Rude, know his whole canon yeah. of work yeah, actually right. someone someone a friend of the show I won't name them who works on the radio called me up the other day because they wanted to try and get Rodney Roode on their show. And he was like, so you'll have a contact for him. Like, how do, how do I get in touch with him? I'm like, why would, I, why would yeah. I know that? Just when you drop into Comedy HQ next time, you know. <laughs> the Comedy Cave. Yeah, yeah, next time I'm hanging out at his yeah. farm in Byron Bay or wherever he lives getting some sweet pointers from him. Yeah, yeah, no. yeah. Now, Fleety, I haven't seen you on any of the ads, so it's all like half-naked women. So how come the Fleet Man didn't make the cut? Well, I don't know. The show's about crime and the unnecessary exposing of breasts so i i don't know why i didn't uh, i didn't make, no, it's, um, I, the other thing about that show is i thought it was going to be on about now and i haven't seen it advertised for ages it's yeah like they shelved the hell out of it yeah they know. did that thing where they pumped it up in january yeah and then it's not on until they've like given August. it a bit of dye on your feet that's they have. What done. Now, well that's the thing they've both, both my great uh, achievements are, uh, are about to be released. Yeah. I'm glad rate. that's been brought up. Where is it, <laughs> Where is it? It's going to be screened on Saturday the 13th of April in the Comedy Festival at, yes. the, at some theatre. Tell the truth. Did you sell the whole series to Cash Converters? Yes. And, and I, I, well, it was on a, a kind of... Uh, I've been paying it off over time. And now <laughs> I Cash Converter had the rights to die on your feet. That yeah. would be amazing. But when was it made? It was two, like, two and a bit years ago. Two and a bit years ago. And am I right in saying that this is the last performance of Bill Hunter. Oh. Uh, I think he did one other thing. No, but the last thing that's coming out. That will be, yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. So, yeah. in a way, the longer it's delayed, the longer Bill Hunter's career yes, <laughs> will <goes. laughs> keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah. he's still not finished yet. Bill, Bill, by the time this, Bill Hunter will be the longest working actor <laughs> yeah. in show business by the time well, this comes on. Well, you can check his last role. We'll just the whole idea is they're screening it on the 13th in the Comedy Festival, and I think this is the idea behind it. Screening it to the general public and a few TV executives and, and journalists and stuff with the hope that some TV guy will sit there and go, wow, everyone really likes this, or we better get it. I, I think that's the, the logic. The, is it, the rumour that you hear, and I don't know if this is true, mm. is that because Adam Hills yep. is saying the C word oh. so much... And behaving... Oh. No, he doesn't say it that much. He says it, like, but twice. He's, but he's not... It's not normal Adam Hughes. No, no, and he's also he's a bit of a philanderer and stuff like that in the show. He you know, gets around behind his girlfriend's back and stuff. I hear that the ABC don't want people to see it because it will shatter Adam Hills' as valuable <sighs> Well, that's what, that's what I was told, was that they really liked it. Everyone's really liked it, but for some reason, you know, everyone has a reason not to do it. But Adam Hills has put his foot down. Well, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> boom. They said, they said he's the face of the network, and this is the people who were in charge. I mean, there are new people now, as always, in charge, so hopefully they won't feel this but they said, he's the face of the network and we're worried that people will see him 
swearing, dropping the C-bomb and behaving in a, in a bad way and think he's not a good person, rather than thinking he's a good actor. So it'd be like Alex Paps on Play School suddenly <laughs> having sex with a gimp. <laughs> That's rude. Which I, as a friend of Alex Paps, I can tell you he does. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's, it's frustrating. The other thing that was the BBC saw it and went, this is fantastic. And because Adam Hills is known in the UK, they went, this is fantastic, we're going to air it. And then the people from the BBC got back to the producers and said, we're not allowed to play it until it's been played in its country of origin. Oh. And then the movie network went, oh, we love it, we'll take it. And then they rang back a week later and we've just been put out of business. Oh. And so everyone who touches it just, you know, like gets poisoned or, you know, polonium <laughs> or something. This is great because the follow-up series to Die on Your Feet can be you trying to get Die on Your Feet on yes, the air. Yeah, That's absolutely. amazing. And it's, yeah, it kind of this, yeah, because it's about, Comedian, so absolutely. That's what we've already talked about. The next, <laughs> if it ever gets the next season, it's just going to be about the. You, I mean, people wouldn't believe the last couple of years. I kind of went, you know, two and a half years ago. I've kind of put all my eggs in this one basket right. and went, "This is this is my best shot at." And then you career. lost the basket. Yep, and I hocked the basket. Can't. <laughs> it's just been it's been the most stressful, hideous couple of years. Just going. Well, my life could change immensely tomorrow or not. And, and it's been a lot of 765 days of not. Is it, is it a chance of being p- picked up by the History Network? Probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so what, about, what about an idea you mentioned just before we started this, which is it, a lot of people listening would be familiar with Greg's performance on Prisoner mm-hmm. in episode 517. <laughs> That's true. He knows so much about it. Hang on, we, we better check that up on uh, IMDb. Oh, no, he's here right now. He's here. Yeah, delivery- I was wondering how you had that 517 tattooed on your arm there. <laughs> delivery Man 2, one of the great... Delivery man performance. Yes, it's true. Uh, you've talked many times of your mm. tense relationship on set with Delivery, delivery Man, man 1. one. Yep. Uh, and Who also now... Lockie Hume had problems with when he acted with him too. Oh, yeah, he said it on your what? show. He said, I've acted with that guy and he treated me the same way. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but now there's Wentworth. Yep. So what's that? It's like prisoner, the next generation. I guess the children is? of those prisoners <laughs> have gone <Yeah>. bad. <laughs> but surely Delivery Man 2. I reckon I could... I could approach the producers and say, you know, logically, that guy would now own the company if he was ambitious and young and everything. It's now 30 years later, he'd be, you know, he'd own the company and uh, he could come back as Delivery Man 1. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would do Wentworth and, you know, just deliver a robot or whatever we had to do. <laughs> Deliver a robot or whatever to the prison. That's what that last time. To a prison. Last time (laughs) ever. We were taking a robot that the prisoners had made to a children's fate. Hang on, was this this prisoner or fortress with Warwick Kappa? It was prisoner, and we had to take it out and load it into this truck and take it away. And of course, there was a prisoner hiding in the robot. Oh, Oh, Trojan Trojan prisoner. (laughs) And and that's how. What was the name of the the head baddie, the the sort of bad one? That's how. Um, the freak, yeah, the oh. freak, the freak, and the top dog, and all those people. That's how they. That's how they took over Troy. And oh so yeah, with yeah. This, with this uh, prisoner <laughs> that and a robot, and a steam press. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, is is there anyone Physical we know humor in... on podcasts? Oh, I heard Lawrence Mooney was going to be in Wentworth, but is that that must be a thing no, that's I, not happening? No, I heard that. Yeah. yeah, I think that's happening. It is happening. I think so. Lawrence Mooney be. in Wentworth, like a regular role. Yeah. I read somewhere he was he, thinking on Twitter. He said he was on his way to film something for oh, it. Maybe. Oh, maybe he just had a oh, maybe he just had a one-off thing. I don't know. But I know he's um, he's working on a, a show like a, a panel, panel. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was yeah. in the cup. And my friend Sam Pang always likes to talk about his brilliant performance as the Belmont starter. <laughs> I didn't think he has any lines. Yeah, he's just guy waving at some horses. Lawrence Mooney. Is. Yeah, Lawrence. Oh, Mooney. really? He's Belmont starter. That's how <laughs> I worked on this show. Kane and disabled with. Sam and Lawrence, and whenever Lawrence was having trouble, Sam would go, give it a bit of Belmont star. <laughs> what was Kane and... Dis- oh, yeah, I know, I know what it is. But that was it for the Paralympics. Yeah. The, um, the, the other one was um, in the cup, the guy who plays Frankie DeTore in the cup right. plays Squizzy Taylor in Underbelly oh, Squizzy. Really? <laughs> yeah. The well, cup was one of those movies where so much of the story was told by the news 
It was right. just... Keep, keep cutting to newsread. <laughs> oh, right, right. <laughs> Wayne Hope does a really funny impression of, of the cup, which is just him coming in and throwing his car keys on the coffee table and switching on the news. <laughs> <laughs> well, if Damien Oliver doesn't win this one, it'll be a tragedy for his family and racing as a whole. I'm <laughs> um, just quickly getting back to Squizzy, uh, Fleety Seat. Now, I mentioned just before the show I'm doing in the comedy festival about my great-grandfather uh, who invented Vegemite, a uh, man by the name of Fred Walker. Who would have been who, around that time. Pardon? Wouldn't well, that's it. When I was researching him, I found out that uh, Squeezy stole my great-grandpa's car. He stole oh, Fred Walker's oh, really? car. So, and this is sort of in the show, so it's uh, spoiling it a little bit, but he, uh, he called up uh, Fred and went, yeah, I needed to run some errands, so I just borrowed your car from out the front of your work. You can come and get it from St Kilda if you want. And Fred goes, no, nah, none of that. You Tell you what, you bring it back to me in Richmond and I won't tell the cops what's happened. So Squeezy brings the car back. And then as he's leaving, Walker just calls the cops on him anyway. Oh, that's dangerous. Now, I'm disappointed that I didn't do this show, you know, many years earlier. Like, I didn't know this before because, you know, I would have been pushing to try and get in on the squizzy action. Yeah, you know, I've got absolutely. a family, I've got some kind of family tie to him. I thought a better idea may be to have Fleety Bear cameo in your show as Squizzy Taylor going to jail <laughs> and then as he walks out, have him come back out as delivery man number two in the jail scene. They've like, they've like re- reformed him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You should see, in, in Squizzy, I will say this, the stuff that I do is so creepy. Some of it is so... It's it's quite horrifying. I watched it back and I was going, oh, my God. Well, now I just want Die On Your Feet to air so that someone can do a mega mix where they cut <laughs> you from underbelly into scenes of Die On Your Feet <laughs> to make your character just look like even, like, and just horrific, weird. yeah. And weren't you another prison rapist in the hard word, <laughs> weren't you? No, I wasn't a prison rapist, but I was, I was definitely a prisoner. And you know what? Oh, the prison was, said yes in this I was one. a prisoner, right. and the bits that we shot in the jail, there's this one thing you'll notice if you, if you watch any films made in Melbourne, if there's any time where they're in jail, it's always exactly the same spot. We shot all the jail stuff for Squizzy in exactly the same spot where we shot all the jail stuff for the hard word. It's like this one little triangular courtyard and this one strip of cells that remain from Pentridge. So every film crew that ever shoots anything about a jail, it's always there. You're going to film all that stuff there. You should just see if you can rent a room. Just just live there. A few years ago, I I was a good nominee for getting one of those apartments. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, and I just someone reminded me the other day of the day that I was sitting at. I, I only just remembered this. And I was sitting at a cafe in St Kilda, and someone drove past in a car going, "Hey, Fleety, you're meant to be on. Get this. Do you remember that? <laughs> and you guys have been on times. air going, Fleety's meant to be here. He's not here. A guy drives past me at a cafe, yells out to me. I get up and run up to get this, and got on, got on, made it to the end of the show. But just like. The way of letting someone know they're meant to be on the show. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember you came in one day and said that outside, on your way in, a car had driven past and a bloke at the front of the car had yelled, you're fucking legend. <laughs> and then a bloke in the back of the car had yelled, you're fucking cat. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like the, the full range of fleeting <laughs> yeah, opinion yeah. in one vehicle yeah. in less than a second. Yeah. That's right. Now, because, um, Fleetie, your show is about, uh, uh, I guess it's a recap. It's the update of uh, your legendary show, 10 Years in a Long Sleeve. Sure. So it's um, it's sort of like what what's happened to you since then, I guess, isn't yeah. it? And it's, a, it's a sort of about all the, the, the fact that the first... And a lot of people haven't seen that first show. A lot less people saw it than I thought. But Someone's taking well, it off YouTube now. Yeah, because it, it was on YouTube for a while. And then I saw on Facebook someone the other day went... Uh, hey, does anyone have a copy of it or know where it is because it's been taken off YouTube? And then someone went, Nick Mason, tram driver Nick Mason, friend of the show, got on and went, oh, they've got a copy of it on VHS at the La Trobe University Library. <laughs> How did you find that out? And he's like, and then he's linked to like the library website where it's like the catalogue page of it. Do you think La Trobe Uni got it taken down off YouTube to drive a bit of traffic back to the library at La Trobe Uni? <laughs> I reckon they might have gotten it off cash converters. It was Fleety's one copy of the performance that he had. Now, I just wanted maybe, to, because you... You were on Get This quite a lot with Tony. I wonder if Tony, maybe he's got some stories of uh, that he could add to your you show from the last 10 years because you'd have quite a lot of uh, uh, weird stories, I guess, that you've forgotten by now because there's a lot of stuff that I'll say to you, why don't you do this bit? And you're like, oh, I'm not sure that's my bit. I'm like, it is. It's, it's on your DVD. <laughs> well, it's, the bit where someone yells out, Greg Fleet, you can't. Yeah, oh, yeah. That's me. A lot of it, um, a lot of this show is about the 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 rod I made for my own back by doing that first show and claiming that I didn't take 
drugs anymore because yeah. it's, it's basically about the shame and the guilt and the just the implosion of friendships and and all that kind of stuff that carried on from there and uh and the, the natural hilarity that ensues <laughs> from uh, from depression and shame and guilt, but um, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of about that. So, and also, there are there are lots of other stories that happened since then of hilarious junky japes. Well, one, one of my junky japes. Well, <laughs> you so should have called it that, <laughs> junky japes. I reckon Tony might have come up with that term years ago. <laughs> oh, no, we wanted to do we wanted to do a segment on get this called funky junkies. <laughs> to use that music. Yeah. But partly because working in St Kilda, you would just see so much funny behaviour. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. We, wouldn't, we couldn't work out whether it was cruel or offensive, but you're going, how can you not, you know, do a segment when you have just seen two blokes plan and execute the theft of a pile of impresses out the front of a cafe? <laughs> You know, the best thing is plan and watch them nut out the whole thing and scope out the area and swoop in. I mean, that's... And we had a lot of discussions about whether that was offensive. And I think we... Didn't we ask someone on air whether that was... We had maybe John Cooper Clark on the show. We're asking him whether Funky Junkies would be an offensive idea. I remember um, uh, a friend friend of ours, uh, Andrew Gooden, said that he was on a tram once and he heard these junkies, they were on their way to somewhere really far away to do some robbery. They were like on, on a, getting a tram to Mooney Ponds to do a robbery because they couldn't drive, they didn't have a car or something. They're going, right, when we get there, we'll do this and that and, you know, talking about what they're going to do with this robbery. And one guy said, I'll put one of them things on me head. And the other guy goes, what, like a stocking? And he goes, no, nah, you fuck with a baklava. He's going to tie this pastry to his head and honey dripping down into his eyes. <laughs> but, but what is it about it's that voice and we don't have it in New Zealand it's that voice that goes like this that's probably because you, you don't have a hell of a lot of uh, of heroin in New Zealand right oh right okay but it is it's a real I don't know it affects some people's voice differently but it does tend to make people get a bit like that and, and also not only talk like that but say stupid things <laughs> well, I, I was in a bank in St Kilda recently and a bloke came in and went up to the security guard and just went Hey, who can I see here about getting an $80 advance on my dole? <laughs> oh. and, and what I love is the security guard obviously had a problem with someone behind the counter and just went, that woman over there. <laughs> just go and see that woman. She'll sort you out. Go and see 80 bucks, Steve. Yeah. Well, one of my first experiences with you, um, Fleety, was uh, I did a gig with you once and, you know, the great man Greg Fleet, it's great to do a gig with you. I'm like, oh, you know, a little bit in awe and whatever. I'm like... Do something embarrassing. No, well, of course I'm going to say oh. that, but um, no, but we had a great gig, and then after it, you said, "Hey, if you want to come to my workshop tomorrow, oh, I've got this workshop." I'm like, "Oh, awesome!" I'll, and you said, "Oh, it's, it's this much," and I'm like, "Oh, look, I can't. I don't have much money on me at the moment." You're like, "That's cool. You know what? You can. You know, you did a good set tonight. Why don't you come for nothing?" And I'm like, "Oh, sweet!" So we came to the the workshop, and we got sort of halfway through it the next day, and then. I think you left or something, and someone oh. someone went. Oh well, you definitely left. I yeah. think for a couple of hours, yeah. and then <laughs> then someone started going. Oh, you know, it's great that this only cost you know say two hundred dollars, and then someone else went. He charged me fifty dollars, and then everyone in the whole party went. Oh, he it char- charged me eighty dollars. Oh, well, I was like fifteen dollars, and then it just became this mutinous workshop. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then and then one of my friends went, oh, I'm going to sort this out because I paid $200. I paid the most out of everyone here right at the end of the workshop. And he was like, this is, this is I, I know Fleet is my hero, but I'm going to go and confront him about it. And then he walked out the door and he came back 10 minutes later and I said, how'd you go? And he goes, I ended up lending him another $100. <laughs> oh, man, I used to be good. See, this is because there was actually in Adelaide, talking about Adelaide, there was meant to be, and it, it didn't end up happening, but there was meant to be a roast of Greg Fleet yeah, that I was actually, going to happen in Adelaide that sounded... Uh, I, actively, I actively tried to, to not do that. <laughs> oh, right. Who were they going to get to play Greg Fleet then? Yeah, well, it was, it, it was a good idea. I think you had to have a comedy roast, a regular comedy roast. But I actually, the more I thought about it and the more I watched them, the more I went, it's not really a very Australian thing, I don't think. Nah. And I also thought with me, certainly for the first one, it was a bit weird because all people would talk about is heroin and money. And, you know, after three or four people doing that, it'd be a bit, oh, yeah, whatever. You'd want yeah. to be on first, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, well, they did do a roast once, didn't they? They did a roast for Molly Meldrum, which was oh, like... It was terrible. Yeah, it was TV. awful. You it know was... why? Because all the people they got on it 
They didn't know him. A lot of them never met him. Yeah. And then, like, uh, there was that poor woman who, who was a kind of, she's an actress and she was like a... Madeline West. Yeah. Yeah. She, she got crucified for saying things about him, you know, and she was just trying to do what you're meant to do. But, yeah. But the other thing that they did, and this is what, I, I don't know how Molly put up with this or why he, he probably encouraged it, but it was just a whole lot of poof jokes. And yes. All those, you yeah. know, like, the fact that he sort of had that career for just being basically, you know... Abused by homophobes for you know, for, and, but I guess he encouraged it. But it was a that was very weird that that whole thing. It was just it was basically saying like, how funny and wrong is it for men to have sex? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is fairly. But, uh, you know. uh, speaking of Molly, quickly, this is a thing. A friend of mine who uh, who you know goes out a lot, parties a lot, does a lot of gear and stuff like that. He uh, he lost all the numbers in his phone, and then one of his good mates sent him a message saying, hey, what are you doing tonight? And he wrote back, he had to write back and go, hey, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is. Um, you know, I've lost, I've lost all my numbers. And so my mate goes, oh, fucking, here we go. This is like, you know, maybe about a year and a half ago. Writes back and goes, oh, I'm Alex. You know, I met you at DT's with Molly that night. And, you know, we were partying and I know it was you that fucking pushed him off that ladder in his house and put him in the hospital. I'm coming for you, man, and I'm going to tell the cops. And this is a testament to how much of a loose guy my mate is. There was a part of him that, like, kind of... was? Yeah, it was like, just having to call people up and go, hey, um, the night that that happened to Molly, were we, did, did we do anything? Yeah, did we go to the moon? Can you remember? Did, I, did you I see me anywhere? I pushing someone off a ladder. Was it, was it someone famous? <laughs> what, a te- what a testament to how, you know, off your guts you're getting that that's... That's awesome. That can yeah. be said to you and you buy it. Um, Craig, uh, I I was doing research on you today, and that means um, pretty much just going to IMDb as usual. Which yeah. um, I've got, you know, we've got IMDb himself right here, Tony Martin. <laughs> yes. I should someone have just waited up, for this. Somebody set up an IMDb page for Die on Your Feet, and it's all ready to go. Somebody. It's got the, well, it wasn't me, and it's got it's everything set up like the ratings thing, all that, and it, and it says 2013 to you know like nothing, <laughs> and it's like it's all ready for someone to watch it and review it, but it hasn't been seen. Oh, yet. Right. Sorry. I didn't. I didn't know you were. Um, did you play two different people? Because you're well known for killing Daphne on on Neighbours. Did you play two different people? Yeah, before that, when it was still on Channel Seven, that's how oh. long ago. I played a an unemployed electrician who'd run away from home and stolen my own baby, like from my wife, like oh. stolen the baby and run off. And Damn, I thought it was like you went back and played someone else after you'd killed Daphne and everyone oh, just no. went, oh, that's cool. You know, he's got, a, <laughs> he's got a different name now. That's fine. He's reformed. I wanted to come back and just whenever they wanted someone to be killed, like in all soapies, just be that guy oh. travelling around the Australia. The Grim Reaper of Ramsey Street. Yeah, yeah, anytime you need someone killed or delivered, uh, yeah. <laughs> Greg Fleet's your man. And there's a photo of you on the internet in after you've killed Daphne and you're in court. Oh, with the horrible... And you're wearing a, a fake um, plaster cast to get sympathy from, from the jury. And a neck brace. Yeah. And, a neck brace. and I, I will say this willingly. Like, like my acting in as Delivery Man 2 is passable. You know, my acting in, in, uh, in like Underbelly is, is fine. My acting in Neighbours is some of the worst acting <laughs> anyone's ever. It's so bad. And, I mean, it's actually worse than just the bad scripts and everything. It's actually... The work of a deluded man. It was it was so bad. But what have you have you um you've been doing some directing and stuff, haven't you? Yeah. Well, yes. What on yeah, on a show called Up a Middle Bogan? All oh, right, with from for Wayne, uh, and, Wayne Hope and Robin yeah. Butler. Yeah. Is that is it fun? It is fun. We had to direct Robin Nevin in her first TV series in thirty two years. Whoa, so it was a little oh, wow. bit of pressure, but yeah. she was in the film I did a few years ago. But That's she was pretty great. awesome. Yeah, I've, I've just directed a pilot, someone's pilot, you know, and and I'd never directed TV before. And obviously, well, the way I do it is get a really good technical person. Yeah, right. So right. you're sort of just working with the actors, but. You've directed you directed your film, didn't you? Yeah, and I did librarians. <laughs> you directed your film. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean, no, that was someone else. It was a work experience <laughs> on the day. I mean, as opposed to just writing it. No, but the, I'd done librarians for, for Wayne and Robin, directed episodes of that, and that's quite sort of classically shot and right. tracking shots and matching reverses. And then this show we just did up on Middle Bogan, it's kind of shot like if you had the sound down, you, you would think you were watching a documentary. Oh, so okay. it was like learning a completely new language because you know that thing of crossing the line yeah. you know the eye lines yep. we, we cross the line almost every shot so <laughs> if we didn't cross the line it was almost like we'd, we'd fucked up 
So, so, so crossing the I don't I have never got my head around crossing the line. We could talk about this later. Maybe it's a, it's a visual. It's like concept. a line of so, it's like yeah. where if people are having a conversation, there's like a natural An way that it's meant line to look between them. Yeah, and then the camera should always be on one side. Because oh, if they're both, it, yeah, it if it's a conversation, it's cutting, and they're both like facing the same way. Yeah. It just, the only it looks time ridiculous. that it's the weird thing about that is the only time you can do it and get away with it is in a car. You know, yeah, when people yeah. are in a car, it flips from one yeah. side to the other. And that so is- when you say, so the camera has to be on, yeah, I get that, invisible line, the camera has to be on one there, side. There, 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 there. Now if we go there, suddenly it's like the room has... Okay, yeah. Right, yeah, cool. Right. But oh, documentaries do that all the time, don't yeah. worry about that. And TV, it's, become, it's like our eye has got used to line crosses, because I see yeah. it in things like 30 Rock will cross the line constantly, and it doesn't... Yeah, you, it's like the way we've got used to shaky cameras. Yeah, I saw I was watching a documentary about Spinal Tap, and uh, they said that when they had the t- test screenings of it, all, it, all the cards said, "Why is the camera so shaky?" <laughs> People weren't used to yeah, a, yeah. a documentary. Yeah. Remember when Woody Allen's husbands and wives came? Do you old enough to remember yeah. that? People yeah. would they would say people lurched out of the cinema vomiting because <laughs> <laughs> the camera was so shaky. Uh, just I, getting back to you playing. Multiple roles on Neighbours, Fleety. Uh, I because I grew up watching Blue Healers, and I used to love that where Blue Healers was on the air for so long. And we've talked about this on the show before that they would get you know actors would come back ten years later <laughs> yes. playing a different role. Yeah. I'd like to see a show do that, but just like in one season. So it's like there's a guy who's like one role in the first episode, and then six oh, episodes later, they different did it character. In, in Deadwood, they Deadwood did that. had a guy oh, really? playing yeah. two characters. Right, it was actually. Separated by a season, but he, he did play two. He played as a lazy played casting director. Two reasonably major, you know, sort of important <laughs> roles too. But speaking of Blue Healers, oh yeah, Fleety, undercover cop. Did you do the double? Uh, no, undercover no. cop in yeah. Blue Healers. I was actually like a cop that busts other cops. The, the one, mm. the one for comedy <clears throat> was always Stingers. That was the one. Yeah. And I met, I worked with a guy who was a producer on Stingers, and I said, what was it about, like, Series 4, all of a sudden, Dave O'Neill was a drug dealer, yeah. and Bob Franklin was a shonky nightclub yeah. owner, and, and Tim Harris yeah. was, like, a pedophile, I was, and I was, Matt Quartermain was yeah. a psychopath. I did it, too. I was a murderer, sort of, you know, dude, yeah. And, it, and he said that it was because they had been through Showcast, like, twice, and right. every single actor in Australia <laughs> had right. played a bad Just guy. From twice a to Z. So then they just got the comedy festival program. <laughs> yes. And every time you, if you tuned into the last five minutes of Stingers, it would always be Dave O'Neill or someone falling off a high tower yes. and being skewered on a pipe. <laughs> <laughs> what was you? Were you, you were a two time villain? On no, Stingers? only one in Stingers, but uh, I didn't mind it so much. But I had a, I had a weird name. What was it? Um, Oh, no, it doesn't matter. But I had some name like like. I'll Jim tell you Finn exactly who it is. I will tell you right now. Here we go. Stingers. Stingers. Oh, here's a here's a handy bit of information on IMDb about you. Alternative name: Gregory Fleet. Oh, <laughs> oh alternative. Uh, have, you got, have you been tempted to use? Because I noticed Bob Franklin was in that. How's that? Mm-hmm. With oh, uh, Gary Packer, and he's now Robert Franklin. Yeah. Oh. He's gone over when he does serious stuff. Yeah, it's Robert. Uh, in Stingers, you are Max Manton. Max Manton, yeah, that's right. Because I've been Jim Finn in another show. But, uh, <laughs> but I, the one that I, I never got to be on, that friends of mine were on, was... Um, uh, what was the one? You were Jim Finn in Matthew and Son, just right, to let you know. Yeah. What's the one where people got their, got their gear off and everything? Chances. Chances. Man, oh, man. In, oh. chan- <laughs> in Chances, there was a point where, if you watch that, so it sort of goes along like a normal, a sort of slightly racy soap opera. But at some point, <laughs> they realised the writers... Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> but the writers, mental. they got told, at a certain point, they got told that it wasn't going to go beyond a certain point in the future. But they still had like, like something like four or five months of writing to go. So they just went, right, vampires, aliens, and it just changes. It's actually really good. Towards the end... It gets really good because they suddenly didn't care. That's Wasn't amazing. Uh, Mark Neal, a vampire? He was a vampire, yeah. And it was like, he was like this vampire with all these women, you know, like a sort of a harem. But it just became hilarious. There was a Nazi who'd come back from the past. They just went... <laughs> Laura, you know, pa- Laura Palmer turned got? up, I think, at <laughs> one stage. <yeah. laughs> but the, I met a guy who was writing for it and he said they were literally like almost daring each other going... Going, uh, okay, uh, a guy who can turn into a wolf. All right, you know, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see that, and I'll raise you. A, you know, a guy who can turn into a poker chip. You know, all right. What's that American series? You'll know this, Tony. The, the, I think it went for like two seasons. It was like a drama or a soap opera, and the last episode, the finale of it, it turned out the whole the whole show 
had been the dream of like a 12-year-old autistic boy. It was like, it's like famous for just being the ultimate like shit end to a series. And then there's all this kind of, there's all this talk about it where it's like because of the things that they reference in that show, you could sort of say that almost every other TV series on is also the dream of this 12-year-old autistic boy because like they'll mention The Simpsons and it's like, well, he's dreamt that up. Chicago something, I think it's... Her- Herman's Head, I think, that was it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's fascinating to me that that, like similar to that, that that, that almost seems like a dare, that's like, like that, a, that got up. That's like a sh- when you do short stories in primary yeah, school. And everyone it's like, just dies. At the end, it's like, then the world blows up, or yeah. then it was a dream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sign off on that. <laughs> it was a series of Dallas that was a dream. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah a, whole, a whole series, yeah. It was all um, Bobby wakes up in the shower. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. it. Now, Tony, I want to get onto this. Now, this is something you shied away from last time we talked to you about IMDb because this is the thing. I grew up <laughs> loving The Late Show. That was like such a formative thing on me and the best show I'd ever seen at that stage. But the thing that no, intrigues me more easy. is you working for IMDb. <laughs> well, well, but I think it's been slightly blown out. Oh, really? It's mainly New Zealand that I oh, did. Oh, really? Uh, what happened was... Uh, when I think I might have did I tell this story on your you on a may podcast? Have, you may have. So yeah, sorry yeah, yeah. if this is a repeat. We'll just say that this episode was a dream. Yeah. <laughs> if I'm saying Hang the on, same I'll go thing. Down on the shower. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I uh, when I first got the internet in about '96, there was this thing called the IMDb, and I went, "Ah, oh, great! I'll look up because I'm from New Zealand. I'll look up some New Zealand movies." Smash and, Palace. And Smash Palace. <laughs> Talent on the floor. <laughs> There's so yeah. many just said in sharing sheds. There was uh, only two New Zealand films in the IMDb. It was like The Piano and Heavenly yep. Creatures. Yep. So I decided, just for my own amusement, to get every single New Zealand movie ever made into the IMDb. And yep. it was only like 500 films. Yep. But it took me three and a half years of working Sunday wow. after. It was like five hours every Sunday after. And I found it really relaxing because it was when I was doing Martin Malloy and it was incredibly intense work. And That's so Tony Martin. And you go, I find this work a really great break from my work. <laughs> but it was like, you know what it is? I worked out, because people are fascinated by this, I worked out what it is. It's because it's facts and facts are either right or wrong. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like when you work in, quote unquote, the arts, yeah. you can do the best thing you've ever done and someone will go, that's shit house. Yeah. yeah and they're that's entitled to me. It. But it's like the difference between English and maths at school. Anyone can get, you can get 100% in maths. No one can get 100% in English. Yeah. So I just like, I found it relaxing to just work with facts. Well, and I, I called it my gardening. Yes. And I did it for three and a half years. And I, find, and I was literally, t- had people in New Zealand taping movies off Midnight to Dawn TV, posting them over to me on VHSs, and I would transcribe all the credits. It just went on for that long. And then at the end of the three and a half years, it was like, now what? Yeah. And so I think I then went, okay, what about obscure Australian comedy shows? So I was getting things like Brass Monkeys yep. and uh, After the Beep yep. and Howard the Mild Colonial Boy, shows that nobody remembers. Well, I, don't even <laughs> remember I remember Brass Monkeys, not Did, those ones. That, yeah. what, what, was the, what was the one? I, I, I played a role in it. it was, uh, or maybe I was a... Down your feet, that's... <laughs> no, 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 it was, Very it was about obscure. a petrol station. It, uh, oh, I, it was like uh, with... Gilbo was in it. Oh, Bingle. Bingles. Bingles. Yeah, yeah, I was in that. Yeah, I might have. Did I get Bingles in there? I don't Show know. But born. I got a lot of Australian comedy shows in. But it's. It, but now people think that I do everything. Oh, well, because right. we've had we've had talk on the show. I think Sam, Sam Payne was telling us he was at a cafe having lunch with someone. Oh well, and I you did, walked yeah. past and went. Oh, what are you been doing? He goes, oh, I'm just working on this thing. And then he got home and it was like on IMDb already. <laughs> Very strange <laughs> well, coincidence. I Because Sam is like. Uh, Sam's a bit embarrassed about the idea that he's an actor, so I decided. <laughs> so, to get so a lot of people. Sam, yeah. <laughs> I got as many of his acting credits into the IMDb. Ah, uh, great! Well, just he's look, done some gigs recently. We've done gigs with yeah, him in the he's last doing few stand weeks. Up there. That's yeah. Very good. Too. That's oh, it. I just cool. assume you must be still working on it because your your IMDb pages are well, so th- finely manicured. But except <laughs> that is the irony is. I don't have to do it because the, 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 the Late Show fans are so nerdish. Oh, they're I, doing I it. actually do very little on my, my own page. Because you've got, you've got the flaming thongs, a voiceover in 2014. I here. haven't I'm even like, done that yet. <laughs> oh, really? I haven't even been contracted. No, no, that's, a, that's, a, no, that's a, uh, an animated show I'm doing with, uh, with Mark Mitchell and a few other people for oh. uh, the people who did Dog Star. 
Oh yeah, so yeah. that's like. Uh, Are you writing it? Or no, just I'm just doing. It? I just love to be. My ambition is always to be doing cartoon voices. That's great. <laughs> so I'm doing that. But what the one thing people always comment on about the Late Show that's so detailed on there is it says all the sketches that we. Oh yeah, directed. yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the way that came about is because a guy called me up from Adelaide who was writing some long article about us for a student magazine wanted to know what we had directed and it's always been a bone of contention because we used to direct our own sketches but we were never allowed to be credited so there's this guy called Joe Murray who who would direct the live nights on the the Late Show and and he sadly gets credit for Shit Scared and and the Warren Perso film because there's none of us are credited as directors and yet we do I think of the we worked out of the five and a quarter hours that's on the the DVD of The Late Show we directed two hours of it ourselves right so we were quite keen to to set the record straight about that (laughs) but I mean yeah well it makes sense I guess because the 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 one thing I wondered if you're really doing this for yourself then why have you insisted on crediting yourself for the the episode of 20 to 1 in the adults only 20 to 1 saucy songs oh my god I haven't done that no I've had nothing to do with that no way oh really I didn't even know I was in the saucy songs episode see I I like the idea that if you did your own IMDB you would have you would have a real like something you've done like that where you're a little bit ashamed of it and there would be this real internal struggle where it's like I want my IMDB page to be perfect but I also don't want people to know that I've done this like just yeah. you having a real moment well I think I've put in phone call coming through for the things, uh, I think the my credit is man in bad suit well, if the you can Gilly's just hold your phone right in oh, the yeah, microphone yeah, yeah. I think I did, I did submit that <laughs> Right. But you can always tell. You, what I love on IMDb is you can tell people that have written their own bio. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't want to suggest that Lockie Hume has written his own bio, but you yeah. might want to go to his page and have a read of that. Right. That's kind Mine's of. Mine's written by someone who listens to this show, who's referred to me as a, a running joke that I insist that I'm a man and not a lady, yeah. uh, based on my girlish voice, yeah. which uh, has has stayed there for like nearly two years now, un, unchecked. Like really? no one's. But, yeah. What but, I love you, about that is that you know the night we were here and I, I was doing stand-up the night I, I, I did stand-up with when Sarah Silverman yep, was yep. on and I, I went oh what should I end with and you yelled out I yelled no out. Carl yelled that out oh, yeah. oh was it yeah oh that's the weird thing oh no because you yelled out the ending uh, yeah, you, I, yeah changed it. someone actually said to me that I didn't know very well who wasn't from comedy said oh that's right and, and that that girl yelled out um to change the ending so it's not it's now physical as well yeah. as verbal it's, yeah it, mind you it was very dark yeah. but so, can we just go back to saucy songs yes yes uh, <laughs> yeah. now, you, I have not done that that 20 to 1 is unbelievable because if you go, if you look at like all the things on that page pretty much everything on there is me doing a favour for friends of mine like the chaser that they asked me to go on talking about generation Sean's a friend of mine panel they were friends of mine the, the, the shambles 20 to 1 I went on there to get it was what I had to do to get Bert Newton to co-host get this so, so in return they go look we just come and sit in a chair for an hour just say a few lines about things and I go well what are the topics going to be so they send you 20 different episodes right hang on hang on Fleety's just, making just like a call and I've just put Fleety's mic down Fleety's turning his sorry I'm turning it off Fleety trying to be quiet whilst pressing the microphone against the phone. (laughs) That can be a bonus track. (laughs) So so you go, so you work out a few jokes, you go to 21. I sat there for an hour and 50 minutes, right? And for an hour I did all the jokes I thought of. And then they go, hey, we'll just get you to say things off the top of your head about every other episode that we're planning to do. Uh, So it is. And if you've got any, a few few bawdy limericks as well for maybe the. A certain episode we've got coming up. <laughs> but it, as a result, I did that in 2006. Last year, they were still getting new episodes right. of 20 to 1 out of my wow. my footage. So someone would go, oh, we saw you on 20 to 1 last night. And then it's in the IMDb. Yeah. I was in Saucy Songs. And then somebody go, I go, what the, what, how did they, I didn't say anything about <laughs> Saucy Songs. And you were wearing a hyper-colour T-shirt. But as well. also, also, I noticed your mouth looked very much like Captain Pogwash. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fleety, feel, feel free to talk into the mic when there's something oh, that you sorry. want to say on the podcast. Sorry. <laughs> it's almost like the phone you've been answering. <laughs> it works in the same sorry, way. Sorry, I got excited. So, but someone, so, so so I went. How are they still getting new footage out of that one session? Yes. So someone sent me an episode that I was in, and I fast forwarded it through, and I'm going, where? Well, I didn't say anything about this, and it was one appearance, and all it was was me going, oh, that is ridiculous. 
And it was like, it wasn't saucy songs. That was a top 10 number one hit wonder. Yeah. 20, 20 to 1 ridiculous thing. I, uh, I worked at, uh, at Channel 7 uh, for a little bit on a, on a show that they were doing that was going to be like their version of 20 to 1 that got axed before it began. Oh, Mickey Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did yeah. Get this yeah. told me she made, they made it. They completely shot. Right, because I went in, I, I was writing the scripts. Like it was just a... With Sonia Kruger and Andrew O'Keefe. I believe that was it, yes. But it was sort of, it was, it was going to be like a later night thing. I think it was like, the difference was like guys talking about why something's great and then girls right. talking. And so the writing was, you like know, 21 easy. Battle of the Sea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It pretty much was, but it was like, you had to write about, you know, they just... You Is know, it the I, sound of cornflakes? <laughs> That's so I got these scripts sound. that were just oh, very, sorry. like, very kind of straight, and they just wanted me to, you know, make it a bit funny or jazz it up a little bit. So I would be, I would like work on these things, and then I would send them off, and then I get these things back that were like, no, nah, we just need you to make it like a little bit more sexier. I'm like, a bit oh, more it's, saucier? A, it's about South Park. Like, how am I meant to make this cartoon show about eight-year-old kids like sexier yeah. in the in the scripting? It was very weird. I have to, I, every time I hear that I've been in yet another episode of 21, I go, and then I remember how great it was to get Bert Newton to yeah. come on our yes, show. Yes. And do, we got him to do a thing where... We, our idea was that Bert's voice could sell anything, so we just got the most appalling products That's and right. got Bert to, yeah. to. I think the Gruen transfer may have yeah. turned that into a segment, but it was it was Bert going. It's a small price to pay. For it was him saying things like, "The team at Al Qaeda are looking for new recruits." <laughs> <laughs> and it was, he just made. They all sounded great. Oh, it's the best thing is getting famous people on this show and then getting them to do even famouser yeah. voices. Yeah, <laughs> we had Sean McAuliffe do. Right. We had. Sean McAuliffe do uh, who, who, it was it who, was uh, Milo Kerrigan doing con the fruiterer doing con the fruiterer yeah oh, wow. yeah it was an amazing moment in in life yeah. and in human history yep. um, I, can't, I can't do Christopher Walken's voice but I met a guy <laughs> who had a really small role in a film with Christopher Walken which I mean is you know any actor's dream you know his name's Woody said, Allen but that's cool said, keep going sitting <laughs> in the sitting in the makeup chair next to Christopher Walken getting his makeup done and he's really nervous about meeting him and, and Chris, all Christopher Walken said was he. Chris Walken turned around and we went, I'd like to be a cat. <laughs> you know, you just you'd walk around, you'd have a tail, you would you could you would scratch things like <laughs> you I would love to be a cat. That's all he said. <laughs> whole, his whole meeting with Christopher Walken. <laughs> hey, let's talk about this uh, quickly. Now you're Carl Chandler, you're doing a, a, quite an interesting gig. Tomorrow, which we'll oh, get to yes. in a minute. I this happened to me on the way back from Adelaide. I was flying home from Adelaide with my girlfriend. She came over for the last weekend of the Fringe Festival, and she doesn't fly like a super amount. So we're we're sitting there just after we're taken off, or we're about to take off. There's this sound from underneath the plane, like a yeah. kind of sound. And she's you know any like if you don't fly much, like anything like That's that. Like she's up. yeah, she was yeah. sort of like uh. this guy next to us goes. Don't worry about that. That's nothing. You know what that'll be? That'll be a dog in the cargo hold that's just barking a lot. And I was like, I really don't think that's a dog in the cargo hold. And he goes, yeah, mate, because they put the dogs under the plane. And then also because, you, know, you know, he's in a cargo hold. So, of course, he's going to be barking a lot. And I'm like, man, if you could hear dogs in the cargo hold when you're on a plane... Every flight nonstop yeah. would just be constant barking. And it was like, and the sound's like going, and I'm looking at him and he goes, yeah, a classic dog. And I'm like, was was Doctor Who on the flight? Was that canine? <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that was to lead into this uh, this gig that you've got oh, on yeah, tomorrow. So, yeah, I've got a gig tomorrow oh, yeah. where I'm doing stand-up comedy on a plane going from Brisbane right. to Melbourne. So I've no idea what to expect. Um, this isn't booked in. You've just got to go to Brisbane tonight for business. And you're going <laughs> to yeah. trial your festival yeah, show. Festival's on this Thursday. This isn't officially sanctioned. Yeah. Out, you know. <laughs> no, so I'm, I'm, I, I don't know what the setup is. I don't know whether people know what they're in in store for. You'd hope like, so. Because that was my question. Is this a specially organised thing? Or is this just... People who happen to be on that flight Are you get a coming bit of on after the safety demonstration. Well, hopefully, I don't want to. I don't want to go on before that. Have you been told you can't do material about oh, plane crashes? I haven't and stuff been like told that? anything, but they I'm assuming that they, that's probably sure. a no. Yeah. <laughs> I'm assuming. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, I've been told anything yet. So yeah. That's the that's like a I'm sure you have. I'm sure you've got emails, and you just in classic you style haven't read them. Yeah, probably. I've and been, there's three of you doing it. So you you 
Tommy Little and Peter Hellier Pete doing Hellier, the yeah, So you'd, you'd really hope they've told people because if they haven't, imagine like, you know, someone's right in front of you just going, oh, I hate comedy or, you know, something like that. I just want to read. I mean, I've got business. I've got to read this yeah, before yeah. I get to Melbourne. Or it's like, one of those oh. things where, you know, where you go to these outback gigs or, you know, stuff in suburban gigs and whatever where you, you, you walk into places and people don't understand comedy. They haven't set up the, the spotlight properly yeah, or whatever. Yeah. They've just put me up the back of the plane so all the chairs are facing <laughs> the other way. <laughs> if everyone could take out their hand mirrors. Yeah. <laughs> will, will, you, will everyone have to watch the comedy or will it be that people can buzz for you and you'll come up and oh, yeah. Yeah. I'll just do five? Yeah, or it should be comedy. like a gong show style thing where if people push the buzzer that means they want you off yeah, you know, and if like it... 10 people buzz you on the plane you've got to finish oh that's but that isn't that that's going to be a bad gig because everyone's got in-flight entertainment in front of them mm. it's so easy to go no he hasn't said anything funny for five seconds Spunk. I'm yeah. going to see this episode yeah. of Remington Steel send Hilly Elliot down yeah. <laughs> <laughs> imagine like looking at your little screen and a thing going Going Louis C.K. Yeah. or that guy over there. And the winner is Louis C.K. Yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, like that thing of having comedy sort of sprung on you. Um, I, in, in Adelaide, I was doing a late show gig. They run a, a late night gig at the, at the Rhino Room and, you know, a slew of acts uh, from across the festival. And one night I went on at about 1.30 in the morning straight after one of the guys from Puppetry of the Penis doing... Doing puppetry of the penis. On his which, own. On his own, yeah. Wow. Which was an insane thing to watch because that show, they play like huge, huge theatres. Yeah. People, you know, book for their hen's night or whatever. It's like a big thing. It was weird to watch it happen in a half-empty pub to a group of people who didn't know that that was coming yeah, up. It would be weirder, him Sweaty. doing it on a plane. Yeah. <laughs> Sweaty close-up. Yeah, and it was funny because to start with, he sort of didn't get much. Like, it didn't go that well to start with because people are just there watching comedy and then all of a sudden a guy just has his dick out, yeah. whipping <laughs> it into shapes and people are going, oh, I, oh. I've just figured it out. On the plane tomorrow, it's going to be Pete Hellier in first class. Oh, I'm going to right. be entertaining coach. So you're, in the, you're in the toilet when people go in. Yeah. Pete Hellier in first class, Tommy Little in business, yeah. and you, yeah, you up the back near the dunnies. Oh. Yeah. Or with the dogs in the yeah. hole. <laughs> 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 you know the thing how cats don't go, <laughs> what's with that? There's <laughs> your opener. Yeah. Well, guys, that does bring us to the end of the Little Dum Dum Club for another week. Greg Fleet, Tony Martin, thank you so much for joining us. It already says that I'm in this on yeah. my own TV. <laughs> what's going on? Uh, Greg Fleet, you've got a show on every night during the comedy festival. Yep. The boy Grats over. Uh, Die on your feet, April the thirteenth. Yep. Saturday, April thirteenth. Yeah, come to that. Please come to that because the more punters that come, uh, apparently uh, they've started ticketing it too. It's free, but you've got to get a ticket through the comedy festival because there's been a lot of inquiries. But do come. Come to and Greg Fleet's Chinese Democracy. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Comedyfestival.com.au for all that information. Uh, Tony, have you got stuff? The you flaming thongs up in, in 2014. Yeah, the thongs is coming up. Upper Middle Bogan is. We've been. Sh- Assured it will be screened when they run out of uh, QI episodes. <laughs> so, Probably never. Yeah, when Fleety Show goes on. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be a double header. Uh, we've got our own shows that we are in the midst of right now. Uh, the Forum, uh, Theatre 7.15 for me, 9.45 for Carl. We've also got our live little dum-dum clubs Monday night in the Town Hall at 7.30. And we've got Sydney coming up as well? Yeah, Sydney's coming up straight after that. Uh, comedyfestival.com.au for all the details or littledumdumclub.com. Thanks very much for listening, guys, and we will see you next time. See you, mates.